BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This Ben Jarofsky Show Benny J bonus interview is brought to you in part by the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 in District 8, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150, and the Chicago Federation of Labor. Take it away, Benny J. Benny J here, Ben Jarofsky. It's bonus time on the Ben Jarofsky Show one more time. Friday, September 27th. I always like to put the date out there. Friday, September 27th. Lord knows uh, when you're listening to this. Bonus time on the Ben Jarofsky Show, as we always do. Ask our bonus guest to introduce him or herself. It's a himself uh, today. So, bonus guest, introduce yourself. Uh, hi, I'm Dan Montgomery. Uh, I'm a high school English teacher and I am the president of the Illinois Federation of Teachers. Um, just a little background. I guess I should say, too, you said it's September 27th. I have to give a shout-out to my wife, Patty Montgomery. This is our 22nd wedding anniversary. Oh, man. At least, at least today it is. If she listens to this a year from now, it'll, yes. she'll say, it'll what be are you the 23rd. You missed it. Yeah. All right. Um, uh, is anyway. she a teacher, too? No. She, well, she is, sort of. She teaches. I shouldn't say it that way. Yeah, she teaches preschool art classes in the city of Evanston at a community center. Oh, okay. So, uh, and she got into it. She was an artist first and got into it sort of indirectly that way. She's really great. All right. So you're a union man. You're president of the Illinois Federation of Teachers. But before you became an official union man, (laughs) you yourself were a teacher, correct? Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, as I say, no one goes into teaching in order to be in the union or in order to be a union leader, you be, I became a teacher. I, I did a lot of things. I am from Detroit originally and, um, uh, went to university of Michigan and came here in like 1988 with a bunch of friends. We were doing theater. We started a very great theater company called theater Ublek. That's still around strong in Chicago, 25 years or so. And, um, uh, and then I, you know, we would do like jobs to make a living and, uh, I got hired. I, I got hired to teach, um, adults English as a second language at the city colleges. And it was a great job because uh, you only needed a, a bachelor's degree, which I had. I didn't have a teaching certification. And um, they wouldn't let you work more than like 24 hours a week or something. I was actually an AFSME member. It was a part-time. It's called the Part-Time Adult Learning Skills Program. And I, I taught at Truman College. And in those days, they did a great thing, which I don't think they do anymore. They would put you in what they called learning outposts. And like I taught for, for a year almost in a church basement in Albany Park. And, you know, you I had... Uh, it was it was a spiritual experience for me and a life transforming experience where I I thought my God this is really what I want to do I want to teach you know I had twenty adults in a room no, no two of them spoke the same language I had a guy an older guy who had a you know a concentration camp tattoo he had been a, a police officer in in Cambodia so you know the Khmer Rouge he had escaped from that refugees from Iraq from Bosnia I mean it was everything and you were you know, you weren't just teaching them English. You were teaching them America in a way. Like, how, how, what is it to live there? So you'd, 
get on, get on the help them learn how to get a bus pass and take a bus downtown to register their kids for school and things like that and it was uh, and that's the moment i decided i, I want to teach and uh, i i think always i sort of wanted to be a high school english teacher i loved my teachers <laughs> and uh, i loved english literature and uh, theater and so um i went to northwestern got a masters in teaching got certified and i really lucked out uh niles north in in skokie in the niles township high school district they needed a their longtime theater uh teacher and english teacher was retiring mm-hmm. so they called up uh, northwestern and said hey who do you have who could do english and theater and it was me so excuse my utter english uh yeah. ignorance yeah. is niles north the one that's just behind old orchard yeah it is it's right uh or in front of old orchard if you're on the highway yeah it, point, it's a yeah. great and i'm happy to talk about the niles township high school district i mean it's a really amazing place with a long history but niles north and Niles West, there used to be Niles East, closed in 1980. Um, uh, but yeah, and um, so I, I, I started teaching there in 1993. And um, my, my first director made a, a kind of fatal mistake in my first day. He put me in an office <laughs> with, a, with a guy named Jim Sweeney, who had been a longtime union leader. Mm-hmm. Not uh, there's a lot of Jim yeah, Sweeney's in labor, say, yeah. right? Uh, Jim Sweeney, uh, he was an English teacher at Niles North, had taught for years at West, uh, you know, started in the late 60s. Really interesting man. He's still around, and I love him like a father, and he, he was a great mentor. But what I saw is, was he was an amazing teacher. He taught AP English. He was really great. He was literate. He was well-educated, and he was a kick-ass union leader. And he was the building vice president at the time, so, like, complaints and grievances and problems would come to him. And I very quickly saw a couple things. One, that the union really was fighting for what was right professionally. You know, we were fighting for uh, class size, for curriculum, for a school schedule that was sensible. Like, you know, and over time I learned that, you know, you have generations of or, or waves of administrators and school boards, they come and go. But the teachers stay there generally for like long careers, 20, 30 years, you know, and they were the ones keeping the schools really good through their union, through the mechanism of their union and the negotiated contracts. And I, I just thought the best teachers were very, you know, like most active in the union. Um, the union did good work. So that, that was, and to this day, I say like that was a very formative experience. And I can't, I cannot personally separate my teaching professionalism from my unionism. To me, they're one and the same. If you're going to be a teacher in America, anywhere in the world, frankly, uh, you better be a strong unionist because it's it's about it's it's the way you're going to be able to effectuate your professional judgment. All right, now let me just take a break here yeah, okay. uh, to challenge that for a moment. Sure. Uh, uh, playing the best devil advocate I can possibly be at the moment because I actually share your belief. Okay, uh, but I'm going to play devil's yeah, advocate. No, with please you. I'm gonna, do. I'm going to pretend this is the Socratic method you're demonstrating. Yes, I'm, the Socr- I'm going to pretend I'm Arnie Duncan. Uh, all right, okay. uh, <laughs> hold on, let me catch uh, my breath right, here. Uh, uh, or my old friend Peter Cunningham, okay, all right, sure. uh, who was Arnie Duncan's yeah. uh, press guy for many years. Yep. Um, unions are different than schools. Schools, education, and teaching is an entity of and of itself. Uh, the union movement may be fine for some schools. It's not right for all schools. What you should do is give parents and children choice, and if that means a non-union charter, uh, that's 
that would that forces those unionized schools to be t- uh, better at what they do. So no, unions and teaching are not uh, combined. Respond to my inner <laughs> okay. Arnie Duncan. Okay, your inner Arnie. You're channeling your inner Arnie. Yeah, my inner Arnie Duncan. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, there's a, f- a bunch of things actually kind of wrapped up in, in that question or that response. I- I'll say this. Look, it doesn't matter if you're a charter school or a public or a private school. Um, there has to be a way. So you can have school choice all you want or whatever. I would still say, yeah, but those people who work in those schools, the teachers and the staff, they need a union. And the schools will be better for it. And I, there's actually data that bears that out, that student school performance in unionized districts is better. But And, and here's, an ex- like, here's a very uh, understandable example, I think. Um, administrators will often, like any school board, whether it's private or public school, you know, will want reports from the administrators of school, the principals and the deans. Like, how's our math program doing? I have discovered that it is often not in the best interests of those administrators to be absolutely honest and candid about what's happening. They'll, because, and it's human nature. They don't want to seem like failures. They want to save their jobs. They want to please their bosses. Our math program's great. Yeah, we have to tweak it around here or there, you know, but boy, it's the kids love it. You know, everybody. And then you talk to the teachers and they're going, this is a disaster. You know, and we've been at, we've been begging with them to, to move to this other curriculum. I mean, that's that that's a real life example. OK, if you say and this is also an argument for tenure, which is just another way of saying just cause dismissal. Right. Um, you have to have professional teachers who are at liberty and secure enough in their jobs to be able to raise the red flag and say, hold on. Damn it. That this is bad for kids. You know, it takes a lot mm-hmm. for that kindergarten teacher Teachers are, we're like the least, we're the, we should be the least likely unionist, if you think of it. Like, we're the nicest people. We, we're the ones that want everybody to get along. You ever talk to a kindergarten teacher? Like, they're skilled <laughs> at making sure there's no conflict. Yeah. They don't want conflict, you know? And my, yeah. Or a librarian, yeah. you know? <clears throat> my God, you, but to have, for a librarian, a teacher, a kindergarten teacher, any teacher to get up in front of a school board, a bunch of people who hold the keys to the kingdom, mm-hmm. who are in charge of their professional life, who can hire and fire them and say, I object. Mm-hmm. You're wrong. What you're doing is bad for kids. It takes a lot of guts. And it's very unlikely to happen if they don't have the security of, of a union contract. And and I would put it uh, put forth tenure as well. So that that to me is kind of in a nutshell. The union gave me great confidence that I could be. I mean, I remember in my... It, as an untenured teacher, uh, early in my career, we actually had a strike. It was my third year in 96. We had a 10-day strike in Niles, and it was largely over the school day. They wanted to move to a calendar that was going to strip out electives for kids and a block calendar. We just professionally, we knew it was it was mm-hmm. bad. It was not a good idea. I remember the, the year prior, still untenured, objecting at a meeting with the superintendent who put on this big you know, PowerPoint about it was so great. And I stood up and I said, you know, you're putting the cart before the horse. You've, you've come to a conclusion about our schedule and all of that. I objected. And I, I started looking back. I was like, how could I have done that? That was sort of foolish, right? I'm, I'm speaking up against my boss without any protection. But I did it because I had all my colleagues around me and I knew that we were solid. And, and I felt a certain sort of invincibility. 
All right. So you've convinced the inner Arnie Duncan in me. Uh, That's one response, okay, too. Right, I mean, right. I could go on, but that, right, okay. Right. Well, I'm uh, glad I, I took down Arnie. Yeah, Bring well, on the next one. Well, all right. But although I'll get back, I'll go back. I'll circle back yeah. to Arnie in a little yeah, bit. Sure. Now let me channel my inner Bruce Rauner. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, um, is this whole show going to be like this, Bruce? I'm, or, or ben? I'm channeling <laughs> inner people. Uh, okay, all right. So my channel Mother my Jones inner, later, yeah, okay? Just so I can get away. Channel my Bruce Rauner, uh, unions protect bad teachers, okay. and bad <laughs> teachers are what are at the heart of everything that's wrong with education today. Well, I, I think you're actually quite good at channeling, yeah, <laughs> because really. I think that sounds exactly <laughs> like Bruce Rauner. Uh, by the way, bef- I, didn't, I didn't know Bruce Rauner, still never met Bruce Rauner, um, but when he was about to become governor, I asked someone I knew who was a Republican and pretty knew him well. Yeah. I said, what did you think? And he said, oh, he's an SOB. He's, um, he's a, um, what did he call him? A master of the universe. Yeah. He thinks he's man. Anyway, um, I, I'm glad you asked this question. So I, I couldn't, I couldn't object more. I mean, anyone who believes that has never really seen what happens in a school. So first of all, let's be clear. Everybody is fireable for no reason in the first uh, four years now in Illinois used to be two. Now it's four years. Uh, and they do, there's a tremendous, uh, turnover of, of non-tenure teachers. Now, much of that is just right. You get someone who just can't cut it. And I will tell you, you can identify teachers who are just not going to be able to do this job. And it is a hard job pretty early, pretty early. And if administrators are doing their job, they should, I would say, within the first year, almost always have a sense of this person is not going to work out. Okay. So that's one thing. So remember, so tons of teachers get fired in those first four years, tons of them. Okay. No matter how strong the union is, there's no, in the state of Illinois, and this is pretty true in other states, and in some states, there's no unions at all, no collective bargaining. But no matter how strong the union is, you can't object. They're, they can fire. They don't have to give a reason, and they won't actually, because they want to stay out of any legal arguments. So massive. And and I have seen. In fact, I I lost uh, one time when I was union president in Isles. They fired four or five incredible non-tenure teachers. One of them was a Spanish teacher, a, a Latina woman, who uh, who had the who had the her principal had been the head of the Spanish department. He said in a teacher's evaluation, she's the best. Uh, I think she was a third year teacher, the best third year teacher I have ever seen. Like, you know, but they fired him anyway because they had other reasons that had nothing to do with their teaching. Okay, so that happens. Um, okay, and then you're tenured, right? And you have tenure. Well, what does tenure mean? It simply means you can be fired with just cause. Uh, you can't just fire someone willy nilly because. They objected at a school board meeting about the math curriculum Mm -hmm. or because they uh, pointed out that their boss did something wrong or because they wouldn't change a grade on a student that they really got on this paper. And the and the principal said, I really need you to change the grade. Right. Oh, you're not going to play ball. You're fired. That those are all things that happened, let alone we're not even getting into uh, women who were not rehired because they got pregnant in the late 60s. Ben, that I know teachers in the late 60s who that happened to right so so what happens how does how do you fire a teacher it differs state by state it's governed by state law here you go through a whole dismissal process in illinois the administration of the school is accuser judge and jury and whatever they decide is final 
And so generally, and I've seen that happen numerous times too, uh, where they fire a teacher, a tenured teacher that they think is not up to snuff. I've, I've been in positions like that as a union leader where we helped that teacher out because they weren't wrong about the teacher. So I just think that's an old canard, mm-hmm. you know, that is not really true in, in practice. Well, I could tell you this. I, I, I think it goes beyond uh, an old canard. I think it was a very successful tool and tactic by the Republican Party uh, that has been very useful for them in uh, counterattacking teachers unions throughout the country. I say, and Rauner was employing it to destroy, in my humble opinion, feel free to disagree if you want. He was employing it to destroy unions in general throughout the state he starts with the teachers they always start with the teachers dan because they view the teachers as weak in my humble opinion because it's a uh it's a profession largely filled with women you will never see a republican politician treat the firefighters union the (sighs) way he treats a teacher's union it's true or the police they'll never go after the police union and, and police union, you talk about a contract that's ironclad that protects yeah, all right. kinds of performances. Right. The teachers right. can learn from the right. police. If you, well, I think so. Yeah, I mean, I think you're largely right. I think the other part is it's kids. Right. And so they, they can always fall back on like, well, we're doing this for children. Like we like we had like adult, right. Children become come before adults. You hear that? You'll hear it here in Chicago from the mayor. Anytime there's tough bargaining, they'll say, well, we want to do what's right for yes. children, not just what's right for adults. And that that that's very like you're, as teachers and other people, you know, staff in schools, other people in the profession. That is just so insulting. You know, we devote our lives to children. You know, that's what we do every day. You take this job home with you. You, I remember the first few years, I couldn't stop thinking about, it was exhausting. I couldn't stop thinking about my kids. Thank God I wasn't married and had kids of my own at the time because I I probably would have been a bad husband and a bad father. Um, And I taught in a really well-resourced place, you know, that had its challenges, but it wasn't like I was teaching in, in the toughest or the the most underprivileged or, or deprived school in Chicago, for instance. So, you know, uh, that, I, that I agree with you. I think that's, that's an approach that people use. Um, and, and I would just say also, not just Republicans. Well, that'll there, get there, to that. there's been, you know, especially like neoliberal Democrats okay. that are, you meant you, you brought the name of he who shall not be named Arnie Duncan okay. and well, Bruce Rauner. Let me, uh, right? and let me, let me, let me get to my next point, uh, which is, this is my humble opinion, and uh, I've expressed this many times to many different people. I've made it's the first time I've ever expressed it to you. So again, one more time, okay. feel free to vehemently disagree with okay. me. So okay, <laughs> all right. In my humble opinion, the Democratic Party in around ni- in two thousand and eight, two thousand and nine, maybe a little before. No, but really went back to two thousand and two or so. Whatever at the, in the city of Chicago, they came to the conclusion as they were studying uh, uh, trends and political developments, that it was to their advantage, politically, electorally speaking, follow me on this, Dan, that if they took the rhetoric of the pro-choice, in quotes, movement uh, from pro-school choice, yeah. pro-school yeah. choice, yeah, definitely not yeah. pro, <laughs> pro not, not pro-reproductive rights. Yeah. If they took that rhetoric mm-hmm. and employed it, 
they could distinguish themselves from lefty Democrats like me mm-hmm. and unions mm-hmm. and and do that as a way of saying to swing voters, like, I'm not like Ben. Right. I'm not like Monica. Mm-hmm. I'm not like these radicals. Yeah. I am reasonable and I'm different. And then a, a certain Chicago senator named Barack Obama <laughs> was the champion of this and they the argument they would give people like me is well you know man this is what we got to do to get elected yeah all right i'm like meanwhile they're screwing over kids and teachers and schools i I don't um i I don't disagree with you they i think it goes back further though earlier and it's not just chicago i mean you go back to clinton and the third way is kind of the beginning of it to some extent um and and it's national um and it's been the it's been one of the dilemma i mean it's part of a big social uh change in our country going back to reaganism where you have the the right wing becoming so right and and the country moving to the right that i think uh you know i remember one year i looked up the democratic national platform i'm trying to think of what year it was it might have been 2008 or maybe 04 like they're like around the time of their thing it did not use the word labor anywhere they'd say working people like they're afraid of the word labor right um, and, uh, you, you saw Democrats doing this all over and they would, you know, I think they, they took us for granted. They felt that labor unions and teacher unions would be with them no matter what. Um, and they had, had no choice. They had, well, on that, right. And, and I mean, it wasn't always that way. I mean, in labor, you go back to, you know, George meeting, like they would, they wouldn't uh, attend conventions. They wouldn't attend uh, national party conventions. That was like part of the deal. Like labor is not going to be partisan, but you got to the point in this country where, you know, you had no choice. There was only one party you, you could function with, you know, because, because the right wing was like Bruce Rauner and you know, to kill labor and teachers unions. So, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, and Barack Obama, you know, God love him. I, I think there are a lot of great things about Barack Obama's presidency without you. You can't argue with that. But his education policy was Republican. It was Republican. Mm-hmm. I, I was doing a, I was, I go back to Niles Northern once in a while and like do a class for friends, you know, like on government or whatever. And I usually, like, I got a question from a student a couple of years ago. He said, well, like, what, what's the biggest change that you've experienced in teaching in your career? And I didn't even think about it. I just said, well, no child left behind, which was Ted Kennedy. And uh, I don't remember who he partnered with in the, in the Republican. I think it was Lamar, Lamar Alexander, Alexander, right? So, yeah, exactly. Um, who's now like a moderate, you know? But but in but quotes, that moderate. That, that yeah. well, I know yeah. comparatively. <laughs> but you know, but but that was that was you know that was signed by George Bush. But Ted can you know, that's when a lot of Democrats started to, you know. I, I agree with you, sort of turn on teachers' unions. Well, I, yeah. I, I think that they intentionally threw teachers under the bus mm-hmm. uh, on the grounds that this was the way they were going to get elected. And uh, and then what they may have come to believe it. In other words, I can't, listen, I can't get in the brains of any of these leaders. I can't, Barack yeah, Obama, Arnie Duncan, uh, Rahm Emanuel. <laughs> I can't go there. I don't want to go there. Don't go there. Okay. But all I could say <laughs> is... Place. Uh, 
I know politicians pretty well. I've been following politicians for a long time. Um, they tend to be very tactical and strategic. And so they'll say, hmm, yeah. this is polling yeah. well. Yeah. So I think I'm going to go with it. But at some point, they actually started believing the nonsense. Yeah. And, well, uh, you know, I, it's been frustrating to me. I, I'm, so I'm in my ninth year of being, you know, I don't teach anymore. I'm on leave and I'm full time president of the IFT. And, you know, a lot of it is political, right? You're dealing with Springfield. And I, you know, when I came in, Pat Quinn was governor and then, you know, went through the hell of Rauner. Now we have JB, which is a, a very good thing. But, um, <laughs> you know, so many, I'll say, I know so many people who identify themselves as liberal or progressive Democrats. And I will agree, they are very liberal and progressive on reproductive rights, on gun rights, on um, uh, uh, marriage equality, you know, social issues. Get to labor, get to economic policy, uh, not so much. <laughs> not so much. Why is that? Why you answer that question? Why is that? Well, I think, you know, I hate to say it, they vote their class. I mean, even, even I, this will anger some of them, you know, because they're not, many of them, most of them are not wealthy people, okay? But if you think about the whole strata of America, the American economy, <laughs> We're talking about people who are very privileged and at the upper end of things, mm -hmm. you know, me included. I, I mean, I include myself in that. But, um, you know, I don't know. And maybe we've made it too easy for them. I think we have. I mean, we can talk about that. Red Fred and teacher strikes and Chicago being, I, in my estimation, the spark that really started it all. Mm -hmm. um, CTU strike in 12, I mean. Yeah. Um, uh, but um, I think it's changing. I mean, you know, uh, the state. The General Assembly in Illinois, it's been a sea change since I've been in. Yeah. I mean, the kind of people, uh, you know, that are in there now, including uh, teachers, you know, people who've been teachers uh, is really extraordinary. Well, I think I definitely think the charter school nuttiness has changed for the moment. Uh, and I'll, I'll say this before I move up to Chicago. I, I've always felt that uh, from the moment charter schools began organizing, the Republicans would drop them because the only usefulness that a charter school has to the Republican party is his tool against teachers union. I don't know why Democrats are so slow to understand this, Dan, it's a political fight and this is a political tool to knock. If you knock out the unions, you're knocking out like the, the thing that sustains the democratic party raises money for the democratic party sends out, workers for the day it's political it's like a chess game yeah. and so they come up with this cockamamie rhetoric about you know they care about choice and kids and blah 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 and it's all <laughs> it's all about knocking out the union and then as soon as those charter school teachers say hey i can't live yeah. on this paltry yeah, right. pittance that you're no, paying me right they go organize a union oh, you see walmart's gonna yeah. still support those unionized charter yeah. schools do you follow yeah. what i'm saying yeah, i do um well, do you think that any part of it, too, is that, um, you know, I don't know, 1965, you had everybody knew somebody in a union. You know, one in four workers was in a union or yeah. something like that. Now it's one in 15, one in 18. That, that it just like, one, that means unions have less power. I mean, you know, <laughs> what was it? I was reading about the UAW strike, you know, when they, like, they had 300,000 strikers in 1970 or whatever when they had the longest strike. Now they got 50,000 yeah. strikers, you know, at GM. So 
Uh, I think that's part of it is that just in general, the union movement is weaker because fewer people are in unions. Um, uh, I think you're right, though. But it'll be interesting. I mean, we've got now about a third of the charter teachers in the city of Chicago are unionized. That's right. And look, we as a union will take responsibility. I mean, uh, when when they really started um, the CTU, the IFT, like we were at at sea a little bit about how to deal with it. Right. And there was a real debate among unions. uh, do we organize them? No, we don't want charters. We can't organize them. That justifies them or legitimizes them or whatever. And then um, we did something kind of interesting back, it was a little before I became president, the IFT and the AFT started to organize them. CTU sort of sat back and said, okay, we, we can't go there yet mm-hmm. uh, for a bunch of reasons. That's fine. So the AFT and the IFT put in, we, we put in tons of resources and staff and money to organize the charters. And now they are fully in CTU, which has been a really good thing. And you've seen the First charter strikes in America this year. All right. Now let's uh, segue into what's happening in Chicago. But before we do that, you have to explain uh, these acronyms, many of our listeners. So AFT, IFT, CTU. Let's start with AFT. (laughs) So the AFT is the American Federation of Teachers. Uh Okay, It's the national union, 1.7 million members. There are two national teachers unions, the NEA and the AFT. We're part, I'm president of an AFT-affiliated union. Um, um, so the AFT is affiliated with labor is affiliated with the AFL-CIO. Um, so, uh, yeah, so the AFT is sort of the national union, Randy Weingarten, pretty well known as president of the AFT. We're, uh, the Illinois, we're the largest all AFT state fed in the AFT. There are some that are kind of merged with NEA. So, but we're all AFT here in Illinois. Um, we've got about a hundred thousand members statewide. By the way, we don't just represent, we represent some private school teachers, public school. We represent pre-K to 12, public private charter, teachers and staff, the paraprofessionals, everything from, you know, lunch ladies and bus drivers to teacher's aides. We represent um, higher ed, uh, community colleges, including the city colleges here in Chicago, um, faculty and staff in community colleges, four-year universities, including at UIC and Northeastern and Northern and UIUC, uh, professors um, and staff. And then we have a few thousand public employees. So that's us. CTU is the local union, right? They're actually local one of the American Federation of Teachers, 100 years old, a couple years ago. Uh, started here. And, and in fact, the very first headquarters I was doing some research was actually in Wilmette. There was a teacher who lived in Wilmette I guess he taught Before Chicago. Yeah. Um, and even like back a hundred years ago, that's kind of like a long hike. I was like, how do you, <laughs> there must've been the Chicago Northwestern train going down there. Yeah. Anyway. Um, <laughs> so, um, but, uh, but yeah, so, so we're, so CT was our largest fed. They're like a third of our members in the IFT, mm-hmm. um, but they're our largest local. Um, we've got another third in the suburbs and, and surrounding metro area, and then another third downstate uh, in the IFT. All right. And I'm, I'm an AFT vice president. I serve in the executive committee uh, of the AFT, and Jesse Sharkey's on the executive council with me as Jesse well. Jesse Sharkey yeah. is, of course, the and president. Karen, Karen Lewis, prior to Jesse. The great Karen Lewis. The great uh, Karen always Lewis. put great in front of Karen Lewis. All right. Hey, can yeah. I tell you, she's coming to our convention. We're having a state convention in two weeks Karen Lewis is going to be there it's going to be the highlight of the convention and we I just saw today we little secret here I don't know when this is 
going to play. But we, we have a great video, like a tribute video for Karen that's going to just bring down the house. It's, oh, gonna it's be- actually going to drop on Monday. So you just gave it all, all right, away. That's okay. All that's right. okay. That'll get people there. Like, come and see the video. Come and see All Karen. right. So uh, let's get into the Chicago situation. Yeah. The headline on the paper I'm looking at right now says, Teacher Union says 94% vote in favor yeah. of strike. Yeah. And I think I told you this before in the air. I've been getting phone calls mm. uh, from a lot of Lori Lightfoot people telling me, the Chicago Teachers Union is misguided. They're leading their uh, mm. uh, their members uh, down a bad path. Mm. Uh, they don't know what they're doing. This is the greatest mm. offer you could possibly have. <laughs> they're being foolish. Uh, my beloved right one, the Chicago Sun-Times, I had a similar, had, uh, similar yeah. uh, theme on the front page yeah, of the I newspaper. Know. Teachers declare victory and take the deal. Uh, so what is your response to that? Um, well, it's certainly the like the PR spin that 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 the mayor and and others want to put on this. Uh, but I I would say uh, this as a and I'm really speaking now as a teacher. I try to I don't live in the city of Chicago. I live in Evanston. So, but I I care. I lived in the city for many years. Care deeply about the city schools, and as a teacher, I care about it. You know, um, they the teachers union is correct to say. We want more resources that kids need. Things like school nurses, school psychologists, social workers, counselors. We want those things. Parents want those things. And very importantly, we want reasonable class size limits. And we want them in the contract. Ben, I don't think people realize this. In the rest of the state, including Evanston, including Skokie, including, let's go right now, Peoria, Granite City, Gurney, Benton, uh, top to, you know, east, west, north, south. We have them in our contract. Man, let me just We pick, have that in our contract. I'll pick one random school district that just popped into my mind because somebody uh, is passing through this studio. Niles West. Are you <laughs> telling me that Niles West, which is one of the finest high schools uh, in the state of Illinois, it is. Uh, and Not many has north, many distinguished graduates, no. including Merrick Garland. Merrick, uh, Merrick Garland, Garland right. whose mom, a little bit of trivia. In 1976, there was a famous bitter teacher strike in Niles Township. They fired 267 teachers. Merrick Garland's mother, Shirley, was the school board president. Wow. Yeah. He was in college at the time. At they Harvard, should have told that to the Republicans. They might have. I was a little worried, yeah, actually, when he got nominated. But right. um, anyway. So, anyway, so are you telling me that the union contract, and or were you or Niles North? Are you telling me that? Yeah, it's the, the same union, contract Niles North contract. Oh, so Absolutely. You know, I'll tell you what our class size limits are. Uh, 20 in a class that's uh, in certain honors classes, and we used to use the term basic level, the kind of like remedial or kids would need extra help. 25 in regular, and 30, excuse me, 20, 25 in, in AP and honors, and then uh, tw- 30 in regular. This is high school. High school. This is high school, okay? And um, I, I can just, by experience, in, like my kids in Evanston, which is not, represent, that's an EA district, but I, I know, like, Typically, my, my own children, I mean, would have, like, in their elementary classes, 18, is 20, there, 22. Is there a I, high I, elementary I, school limit on classroom size in uh, the Niles West district or in the Niles Yeah, district? but there's 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 nine, nine oh, there's actually 11 feeder districts into the two high schools, you know, in gotcha. Illinois, right? Yeah. So, uh, but, but they're all parts of my union. I was yeah. president of the North Suburban Teachers Union, which yeah. is the local up there. Yeah. And they were all parts of, and they all have contracts, and they all have uh, class size limits, and they all have enforceable class size limits. And you know what else we have in our contract? We have binding arbitration. So here's what happens. And this, this 
this is how it, I'll give you a real life example because it's happened to every one of us. You're teaching, I'm teaching and I'm doing my I five classes at Niles North, right? I have a limit of um, like 150 kids or something like that over, over two, 135 kids over two semesters. But those limits in place, 20, 25, 30, depending on what classes I'm teaching. If I had, you know, a basic freshman, those were capped at 20. New kid comes in two weeks into school. The director walks in and says, I got a new kid, and I got to put him in your class. And I say, wait a minute, I'm at 20. You can't. And he goes, oh, yeah, you're right. All right, I'll find another class. We'll work his schedule around. And What if there is no other class? Open a new one. And, and this is why that's even better, right? You say, well, be, there's no, that means every class is at 20. Let's say there's five or six sections at 20, right? And we've got, and in, practi- in practice, it's, it was never like one kid. You know, there was an issue a number of years ago where they closed some Section 8 housing in Evanston, and boy, a bunch of those kids came to Skokie, and unanticipated, the, the school district couldn't have anticipated it, but suddenly they got 30, 40 more kids in, you know, grades or whatever, so you open two new classes or one new section, whatever you have to do, and then everybody's class size goes down. As I say, there's no parent who, when they talk to their kid at the end of the day, like how was school, where the parent says, you know, gee, I, I hope you have more kids in your class yeah, tomorrow. Yeah, you know, so... <laughs> um, that's what happens. And, and if they wouldn't do it for some reason, uh-huh. which, but they, they knew they couldn't do it. They, but if it's, they it's did like the it. norms in society, yeah. right? There's the law and then there's the norms. Um, they know that they couldn't violate the contract. If they did, we'd file a grievance. And if we had to, we could take it to arbitration. And if they violated the contract, we'd win that grievance. And then they, so they wouldn't want to go through that. Yeah. And they'd realize, and that's, my God, that's what should happen in the city of Chicago. I don't get it. Why should kids in Chicago be forced to be in bigger classes than kids in Skokie, Evanston, Orland Park, Evergreen Park, Oak Park. You, you know what I mean? You go right around the city. You cross Archer Avenue. You cross Howard Street. You cross Austin. Those is, kids deserve better? Is this a disputed issue right now in negotiations between uh, yes. the Chicago Teachers Union and the Board of Ed in yes. Chicago? As I, so let me, disclaimer, I'm not at the bargaining table with them. But it, they've been very uh, open about it. You know, you've heard the mayor say, well, I am going to add counselors. I, I am going to add more nurses. Yeah. I, I'm just not going to put it in the contract. And, and, and in fact, like one of the hashtags for the union is like put it in writing, right? And you can see why. Because if you don't put it in writing, I mean, I, I would say this up in my school district when we were in bargaining. Management will often say something like, okay, we'll take care of your concern, but we just don't want to put it in the contract. I say, like, if you really want to do it, then you put it in the contract. Why don't you want to put it in the contract? The only reasonable response is because I'm not going to do it or I want to, I want it out later. Right. Right. So, um, you know, I, I, I think, you know, 94%, you, you can't manufacture that. That's real uh, in terms of the teachers w- willing to strike over this. Uh, no teacher strike I know of, either I, that I participated in or I'm aware of, was ever in the end just about money. It was always about things like class size, curriculum, uh, what's good for kids, staffing, you know, well, program. Well, ultimately, uh, Dan, ultimately class size, uh, ultimately nurses in a school, ultimately librarians in a school, ultimately social workers in a school, ultimately what, psychiatrists or whatever? Psychologists. Psychologists, yeah, school psychologists. Yeah, yep. school psychiatrists. Ultimately, it's all about money. If you put yeah. it in the contract yeah. that every school in the no. city of Chicago has to have a librarian, then that means you're going to have to hire, I don't know, 200 librarians, because I think it's like 200 schools don't have librarians. Don't yeah, 167 or something like that, and they're all in black and brown communities. How do you figure that yeah. is? Well, you know, uh, yeah, but you're absolutely right. It's not in Lincoln Park. Yeah. So if um, 
it, it, so if you put that in the contract, yeah. then Lori Lightfoot has to find the she money does. to hide 167. That's absolutely right. Okay. And she does not want to okay. find that so money. So again, this is where I, I, I don't mean to, to sound like Bernie Sanders, but I'm going to say it. <laughs> um, we're in the richest city. Yeah. In the fifth richest state, yeah. in the richest country in the history of the globe, okay? I refuse to believe that we can't figure out how to put a librarian in a, okay, here, I'm about to swear, yeah. in a friggin' school. Yeah. I mean, really? Yeah. All right, seriously? I mean, really? I don't, I don't buy that. And I don't think the public buys that. I Honest, honest to God. And, and no matter you know, what they might be saying to Lori Lightfoot or Lori Lightfoot might be saying, like... I really don't think the average parent or the average citizen, the city of Chicago, thinks, yeah, it's okay not to have librarians. Well, or, see, you know, the, uh, <laughs> or, or whatever. He, he, you know? Here's uh, the interesting thing where the media plays a role. Yeah. Um, by and large, the mainstream media has not articulated it that mm. way. Uh, by and large, the mainstream media has articulated this point. Teachers. You're getting so yeah. much money. Good <laughs> right. God. Yeah. I want to get in the. Right. Can I get yeah. in the teaching yeah. pool? Mm-hmm. You're making more money than that. Nobody's going to feel sorry for you. Well, yeah, now I hear that. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it's tough. It's tough working in the public sector, right? Yeah. Because And it's not just teachers. Because there's a, uh, there's a kind of... Um, People fall into this default like, well, why should you make more than anyone else in this community, right? Because you work for us, right? I mean, I've had people say that to me. I, when I was on strike or in tough bargaining or we took a strike vote or we're doing informational picketing where I was in Skokie, you know, it was inevitable. You'd have, you'd have pretty well-off people yeah. come to you and say, really? You, you know, your salaries are higher than the average in the township. Well, <laughs> it, Think, I mean, it's kind of like a thought process, right? You know, like, do you want to work or do you want to live in a community, a country, a state where, you know, we don't have the best and brightest teachers. We don't want great teachers. We don't want good teachers. We don't want them paid well. Do you use the same logic with doctors? Yeah. Same logic with airplane pilots? You know what I mean? Um, no. What is it about public employees? There, there's a, there's a, you know, it's, you just kind of have to get over that hump. I mean, many people are, and I think now in today's world, given the austerity we've lived through, given everything that's happened. You know, when I, 25 years ago when I started, a teacher strike was much tougher, you know, because I think, you know, people didn't perceive or understand as deeply, you know, the deprivations we have in, in our schools. And, and we, we didn't also have, you know, many decades of austerity now, now we've had it, you know, and, and there are a lot, and this, and the world has changed. I mean, it is not like you go and you close your door and we're just going to talk about Shakespeare and John Donne and, and uh, Steinbeck today. Yeah. You know, you've got kids who are bringing all sorts of things in there. You've got incredible trauma and violence and fear, fear. These are kids who, when they're children, the smallest children, we make them do active shooter drills. <laughs> well, I could tell you this been around a long time the city of chicago seen a lot of teacher strikes this in my opinion is the first teacher strike that's motivated not by money and as in the uh, contract Mm -hmm. because i remember the old teachers unions of the 90s that couldn't stand me uh because (laughs) they were always cutting deals with the daily uh and getting a little more 
was taken right out of their pension, but what? That's a whole other story. Uh, that's how they paid for those contracts. You know that by not making their pension contributions. Anyway, uh, and and but they would always say, "You're not a college professor. Don't talk <laughs> about. You're not an education professor. Don't talk about curriculum. Don't yeah. talk about. You know the union class size. These teachers yeah. just voted ninety four percent." On the, the main issue on the bargaining table is whether you're going to hire librarians. You know, that's yeah, not going to put money in any teacher's pocketbook. You know, that's right. Um, you, you know, um, I do go to a lot of schools in the city. And, and, you know, if you go to, there's been a few years like this. And actually, it's around the state. But especially the city. You go to a school, after school meeting with the teachers, they're in tears. <laughs> they're in tears. Why are they in tears? Because they're in impossible situations yeah. daily. Where they're asked to be three places at once. There's not enough staff. There's no one here to take the class. All right, who's going to take this class and have the kids in the gym while we try to do this? Okay, there's IEP meetings I have to go to. There's no one to cover my class while I go to the IEP meeting. But by law, I have to be at the IEP meeting. And they're in tears. I had, I mentioned Randy Weingarten, our national president, a couple years ago. She came and did some school tours with me and and Karen Lewis and, you know, going to uh, just various Chicago schools after school meetings, you know, just talking to the rank and file teachers. And I was kind of pulled Randy aside as we were walking down a hall. I said, so how does this compare to New York? She's, she was president for many years of the UFT, the United Federation of Teachers in New York City, under Michael Bloomberg. And uh, she said, it's very similar, but the deprivations here are worse. Deprivations? Deprivations meaning lack of resources, mm. meaning... <sighs> No working computers in the building. No, you know, no internet. No, uh, not enough staff. Um, no, you know, no school nurse. No librarian. You know, I remember in 2012 the the first strike line I walked with at Sen High School on the first day of the strike, and I was and I just happened to meet up with the school psychologist there, and I said like, oh, well, how many psychs are there in uh, in Sen at the time? And my recollection is she said, well, I'm the only one, and she was working like two or three high schools. I mean, the high school I taught in Skokie, three school psychologists full-time in that one school. Is that mandated by contract? Yep. Nurses? Yep. We, had, we would put ratios in, yeah, by yep. contract. School nurses, psychologists, in, with, including caseloads. on the, So that's how we got there. We'd have a caseload. School counselors, and I, I, I wish I could remember the caseload number for our school counselors in Niles. But, you know, they can only have a caseload of some more, and then they got to hire another counselor. Why? Because it's good for kids. Uh, final question before I let you go. Uh, put your crystal ball out here. Uh -huh. uh, you know, it's really hard to know what's really going on in the negotiations. Obviously, I'm I'm even further away from the room than you are. Mm -hmm. Do you have a sense that they'll have a reconciliation? And well, I hope so. I mean, I think it's really hard to call. They um, uh, uh, some things at everybody's back that's positive is that they're talking. That there's you don't have the kind of toxicity you had with Rahm Emanuel. I mean, uh, you know, he's an asshole. I mean, he was very good at what he did. Uh, I don't know him personally, but he was abrasive, right? And that was his style. Like he seemed to think that would be good for everybody, and it wasn't. And and that makes bar when you know bargaining is tough, and and you know big city bargaining where you've got hundreds of schools. And 25,000 staff, and they've got the support staff they're going to worry about. I mean, this is hard. This mm -hmm. is hard on her, and it's hard on everybody. So uh, there's a lot of pressure. You don't need antagonism. So it is positive. They're talking. I actually saw the mayor last night, and it was a pleasant conversation, and I know that they're bargaining today. So, like, that I, is very good. That's very good. Um, 
But when you get down to it, it's, is she going to be willing to do something which she doesn't have to do by law right now? And this is a problem we have in the state, right, is legally uh, in, in the suburbs, we can bargain class size limits, right? They've, they've got prescriptions back to 95 on what they can bargain. It's only a permissible subject of bargaining here in Chicago, which means they don't have to do it. But they're, so legally CPS they can say, yeah, we're not going to talk to you about that. We don't have to. They, so they do not, by law, have to bargain right. class size. Right. They do not, law by law, have to bargain the ratio course, of nurses. Of course, limit. Yeah, okay. and, and there are some other things too. But um, so, and that's not fair. Again, like, why should? What is it about the city of Chicago? Like, they shouldn't have the ability to make their schools better. That's crazy. Oh, every other school district in the state has that ability. Well, that is interesting. Uh, as we had the door, I will p- p- make yeah. this point. Um, the city of Chicago fought vociferously last year. It was, I think it was 2018, uh, to have Chicago uh, be, uh, have the state contribute to Chicago's pension yes. at the same rate mm-hmm. it pre- contributes to everybody else's yeah. on the argument that it's unfair to treat Chicago <laughs> differently. Correct. So right. now they want to f- right. flip the switch. Yeah. And when it comes to benefit a kid and or a teacher or a parent, oh, well, we, we, you know, we don't treat us like you treat Skokie. Yeah. So you can't, well, I guess, yeah. you can't have it two ways. That's what yeah, Karen Lewis would it. say. Well, look out for the okie doke, right? Don't, don't fall for the okie doke. Yep. Uh, uh, and, and finally, just on your question, you know, I, Jesse was clear about this. They don't want a strike. They want a deal. I hope they can get it. I, I mean, I, but the mayor is going to have to come through. So, but I, I you know, I, I don't think it's going to happen quickly, but I'm hopeful that they can get it done before a strike date. They're going to take a strike. Try to. I imagine they'll set a, the union will set a strike date next week, one day. Gotcha. All right. That is uh, Dan Montgomery. He is the uh, president of the Illinois Federation of Teachers. I'll bring you back, Dan. Let's hope there's not a strike. Uh, I was wrong in 2012. I actually predicted there would not be a strike. I lost a lot of bets to a lot of Chicago teachers, including one, Karen Lewis. What kind of dummy makes a bet with the president of the union? (laughs) She she had a little say in the outcome of that bet. She called the damn Mm. strike because she wanted to win the bet. (laughs) Just kidding, Karen. Did you pay up? Yeah, man, well, I took her out to eat. We well, was, you know, it was so a nice was you dinner. Win, she so, won. You know, yeah, everybody win. Everybody won. Anyway, Dan, thank you so much for coming in. Great I appreciate it. Yeah. This is uh, another Ben Jarofsky bonus show. Take care, everybody.